Hello, everyone. I'm Chris Black, and welcome to the podcast. Help me understand. Today, I want to do an episode that's kind of tied in to an episode I did a couple weeks ago about how some of the things that Black people dealt with in forms of racism aren't as long ago as, as people seem to think they are. Definitely go back and check out that episode. But um, this episode kind of ties into that. Um, it ties into some of the things that I sometimes hear people say or more likely see them say online where it's why can't some people, whether it's immigrants or certain groups of people, in this case, Black Americans, why can't they pull themselves together and become successful, right? You sometimes hear that when they try to put different groups against each other. You know, my ancestor immigrated from Ireland and they became successful. Why can't these people do that? Um, it's a terrible take. I, you know, I hate hearing people say that. Um, but because of that, and because it's also Black History Month, I wanted to do an episode on some of the successful towns, areas um, that Black Americans did create. And unfortunately, it did not stay prosperous. And in most of these cases, I'm, I'm going to do a few, some that some that I didn't know about until recently and some that um, everyone should know about at this point. Everyone should know about all these, but at this point, some of these are more talked about than others. But most of these ended because of jealousy and lies that led to the destruction of these, these areas that are predominantly, if not fully Black. Um, so with that being said, I, I wanted to start with something that uh, I wasn't too familiar with, and that is Seneca Village. And I, ho I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Seneca Village um, was a predominantly African-American community, and it was part of what is now Central Park in New York. Um, now, this one was super important. This was back in um, eight, around 1855. Um, it actually began in 1825. Um, but this is super, super important because a lot of the residents in Seneca Village, uh, African-Americans, they actually owned land and property. And the reason why that is important is because there was a law that in 1821 stated that you had to own land. And I believe it's, you had to own at least $250 in property in order to vote. And so when you have these black Americans owning property worth more than $250 at that, at that time, and they can vote, that's super important. That's very, very important. And this community was destroyed to make way for Central Park. 
this one in this instance, this wasn't destroyed by clansmen or you know angry mobs. This was actually something that the city did, which you know back then it's, it was perfectly legal, and the residents of that area they they were paid um, more than likely grossly under what they should have been paid. Um, but that doesn't change the fact that there was uh, a community made up of mostly African-Americans and they owned land, which gave them the right to vote and it was destroyed. This is something that I didn't ever learn about. Um, I actually just came across it on social media and I did some more research on it. And it's insane to me that this isn't something that's talked about more, uh, especially during Black History Month. So this one was, was interesting to me because of what came along with owning that land. And so, again, when you think about being told, hey, you know, they should be able to do this, here is an example of them on the right track, and then it swept right from under them. Okay, so that, that, one's, that one is different from probably the rest of the others, but it's, it's equally as important. Another thing that I actually had no idea uh, happened, this happened in Wilmington, North Carolina, and this was back in 1898. So this occurred because a newly elected biracial government This happened in 1898 when a group of white village, a group of white vigilantes, angry and fearful at the newly elected biracial local government. Okay, so um, not just not just black people, but biracial. Um, they were fearful that this new government would endanger their way of life, endanger their women, and bring a new American reality in which black men governed. So that, that was a legitimate fear for the people in 1898 and years after and obviously years before. But these people joined forces with local militias, cough, cough, sound familiar, and they went through, they went through the town and they murdered black citizens. Now, the issue with a lot of these stories is that the actual number of people varies. No one knows for sure. Um, and so you get wide ranges. So in this case, somewhere between 60 and 250 black citizens were murdered. And much like a lot of the other stories that I'm going to go over, 
no one, not a single person, was arrested or prosecuted or punished. So when you have black people taking positions in the government, trying to make a difference, and then they are murdered and ran out of town, how do you think that affects voting for black people? How do you think that affects them running for office in that time? So this is the first situation that I'm talking about today where a prospering city because back then, North Carolina was seen as one of the more progressive majority black cities. And between 60 and 250 black citizens were murdered for holding office and voting and being progressive. And someone else's fear caused that. So that's the political side of it. One of the political sides of it. So moving on to something that I've heard a little bit about the issue with this this topic is that um, there are so many that a lot aren't even spoken about. And that's a shame. You know, last summer, a lot of people were talking about you can't tear down statues because people are going to forget their history. There's so much of history that's not even talked about. And they're worried about statues of horrible people that did horrible things. And there's so much of history that's not even talked about. So I think we should start there. Let's let's talk about history, actual history. such as the Red Summer of 1919. It's a lot of things that I didn't know that was going on in 1919. For example, racial tensions were rising. Um, A lot of black Americans were getting decent jobs and the ones who are getting the not so decent jobs are in constant competition, which is something that could be related to lots of time periods, even today. Right. And because of that, race riots broke out. Now the KKK capitalized on this and they were back to lynching people. The year before, so in 1918, and then in 1919, they were just they were just going around lynching black men. Now, in the summer of 1919, things really got crazy, where race riots broke out in Washington D.C., uh, Tennessee, Texas, Arkansas, Nebraska, Chicago and lots of other places. Those are the main ones that a lot of articles talk about. But this is over 
competition for jobs, which again, that can be related to lots of different time periods. Now, the issue with this is that in places where a majority of African-American citizens resided, you would see violence toward them. And again, people not being prosecuted or the effects of that violence where thousands of black families being left homeless after rioters set fires, looted. And so when you think about how that can affect families where a father can lose his job, a father can be murdered, a family can lose their house. When you think about generational wealth, not being able to be passed down because of things like this, it all adds up. Now, I'm not using these stories as an excuse But it's, it's an undeniable truth that when people say some people need to pull themselves up, they have to remember that while some people were doing that, others were kicking them back down. You can't try to omit some of history. This isn't the same as taking down a statue of some piece of shit who believe that one person is better than someone else because of the color of their skin. This is about trying to make it seem that everyone had the same starting point. That's not the case. Moving on to one of the biggest known massacres, because that's what it was, and that would be Black Wall Street. Another thriving community, one of the most prosperous communities for Black Americans. And while they were living great you know they were in a community where they can escape a lot of the racism had jobs schools people were circulating money within the community which is amazing something that should be done now based on a lie the community was burned to the ground People in the community were murdered. Right in the streets. Again, houses looted, set fire. As people tried to flee from the flames, they were shot. Even when the members of the community tried to defend themselves, 
and they were largely outnumbered. The news that circulated painted them as the aggressors. I don't think there's an actual number of people who were killed that during this riot. I don't think they have a, a an actual number. And that just goes to show you that back then they didn't they didn't care. They didn't care. How can people get a leg up and be everything that they are promised they could be under the Constitution in the land of the free? How can people actually start that journey when every time they have their area, their space to prosper and grow, be productive, raise families, learn, teach, they are shot down. So that community never recovered. Another massacre, and this one I actually knew about from a young age because uh, there's a movie about it, and this is the Rosewood Massacre. And this happened uh, in a town in Florida uh, called Rosewood. This was in 1923. And based on the statement from a woman uh, that she said she was assaulted by a black man. Large mobs of people and a group of about 500 KKK members descended on the town and much like the other stories Murder, looting, arson, all those things took place. Now, unlike some of the other stories, there were a lot of people who actually helped uh, the townspeople escape, whether whether it was through trains, whether um, the sheriff was driving people out of there or keeping them away from some of the clans members. But it doesn't change the fact that Based off of a statement, an entire town. I believe every single person in this town uh, was black. I think there was one family that was white and they, they owned the general store. But everyone else in that town was black. And this town was burned to the ground. Most people didn't go back. So again, families uprooted, homeless, families losing parents, parents losing children, 
how is this helping anyone start a life or be better? Like I mentioned on the episode a couple weeks ago, this wasn't that long ago. It's not easy for a generation to bounce back from something like this. We have to keep those things in mind. When these communities were thriving, you were able to pass on things to the next generation, whether it be wealth or knowledge, you were able to pass those things down. Whether you were able to vote because of where the community was or the land ownership, that would change local laws for then the next generation to be better, to prosper. This all is connected. The most recent one that I wanted to talk about is the bombing in Philadelphia. This was three years before I was born. So definitely not that long ago. And there was a standoff and altercation between a black, I think they label him as a black militant group, um, or radical, you know, whatever word you want to use there. Um, that was part of a larger community. And they they were bombed. I don't know how else to say it. Literally, the police dropped a bomb in this apartment complex or or area where many houses were close together. Now, unlike the other cases, um, this one did result in people getting in a lot of trouble. Um, the, the government came under a lot of criticism um, the police force came under a lot of criticism. Um, survivors um, actually were, were actually compensated. They were paid. But that doesn't change the fact that children died in this. 61 homes were burned down. Now, if anyone listening can tell me of a time that a bomb was dropped on a Klan meeting.
or a town that was predominantly white was infiltrated by jealous black Americans in the neighboring town and burned to the ground. And they killed white people as they ran out of their homes. If anyone can tell me that, that will be news to me. And I'm always looking to learn new things. But looking at these, especially during Black history, and thinking about the ripple effect that it has in today, this isn't something that just ends because people decide to move on and forget about it. This has effects on people today. It's important to know that the next time you speak to someone who believes that everyone is able to pull themselves up by their bootstraps. Because in some of these situations, the person wearing the boots was shot, killed, and had their boots taken. Some of the people have the boots and no shoelaces. So for this Black History Month, I'm glad that I learned some things um, and not just these kind of stories, not just these negative stories, but um, between people that I've met, things that were sent to me, I learned some pretty awesome things about Black history that should be being taught. So all in all, um, it's interesting to think about the people that came before me who were able to create successful environments despite what was going on around them and um, tried their best to be a part of a nation that never really wanted to see them prosper. But I think going forward, some of these things can be used as a blueprint to improve the black community and make it better than ever. We have to know our history to learn from our history and remember our history. So with that, thank you guys for listening. And until next time, have a good night.